Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. Mystery Babylon, Jerusalem is rising now, faster than ever before, and boldly, unhidden, aggressively, and in opposition to everything Yahweh's word teaches. Jerusalem, in the context of Mystery Babylon, is not merely a location called the Great City, Revelation 17:18, and defined by Yahweh as the place where Yeshua was crucified, Revelation 11:8. She, the mother of harlots, is the leadership, the Knesset, the Sanhedrin, and rabbinate, Jerusalem's mayor, city council members, everyone governing the Jewish people, and the UN created political state of Israel and those involved in Temple Mount activism, Kabod, and other Orthodox denominations. In addition, the Rabbinate and Sanhedrin are both Kabad Kabbalistic organizations closely allied with Freemasonry. There is now danger to believers in Yeshua rising worldwide. This report will discuss a situation in which our Christian brethren are approaching in humility our Jewish brethren for reconciliation through repentance and are being rebuffed for it. I doubt these Christians realize they will be forced into Noahidism unless they choose conversion to Judaism. The amount of Noahide education websites and pages on Facebook, now online, is astounding. They all have the mission of educating non-Jews worldwide about how to be a proper Noahide. If you have not been paying attention, you might not even notice that President Trump was called on to uphold the Noahide laws in America just a few days after his inauguration in January 2017 and again in January 2019 when the Sanhedrin called for President Trump to restore America and the world and to acknowledge and uphold the seven Noahide laws. Intent on their purpose of leading Americans to the Noahide Corral this past week, the U.S. House of Representatives was prayed over by Kabad Rabbi Gershon Atzvon. The prayer will be offered by our guest chaplain, Rabbi Gershon Atzvon from Cincinnati, Ohio. Almighty God, Master of the Universe, I invoke your blessing today on the members of this honorable institution, the House of Representatives of the United States of America. May they humbly serve their constituencies, aware that creating just legislation is one of the seven laws that you, Almighty God, gave all humanity through Noah as detailed in Genesis. Almighty God, as a descendant of Hasidic Jews who fled the Stalinist regime that persecuted religious observance, I am especially grateful and blessed to be in America the country called the nation of kindness by the great spiritual leader of our generation, the Lubavitcher Rebbe Melech HaMoshiach, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. We thank you for the freedom we have here to practice our faith, and we pray for those who still suffer persecution around the world. While legislating by definition includes differences of opinion and rigorous debate, I pray 
that we nevertheless anticipate our sheared bright future in the time of the redemption. And thus remain one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. The ending question of this video is a valid one, given what the world now knows regarding Kabad Judaism's agenda. That prayer used obscure grammar that, in my opinion, was not accidental. Rather, it was a prayer for Jerusalem's hegemony over America. Why America? Because Israel needs the political, economic, and military power of America to achieve the goal of hegemony. And, of course, the U.S. House, having him come to pray over them, lends itself to the possibility the U.S. House of Representatives has some, or perhaps many, members who are ready to implement the Noahide laws in America. Outside the House of Representatives, Hasidic Jews danced as if in victory before Rabbi Otzman's prayer and were joined by Ohio Republican Senator Rob Portman. <laughs> The U.S. House has been prayed over by leaders of many different religions, even Islam. We know Islam wants America, but it wants America dead. But Jerusalem wants America to join Jerusalem in leading the world into Noahidism. With Chabad and the Sanhedrin's goals so clear now, I must continue to sound the warning blast as Yahweh commands in Ezekiel 33 and that is exactly what I am doing today and what I have been doing. This Kabod prayer now brings our attention to another prayer. My friend Laura Densmore has organized a Christian prayer group to travel to Jerusalem for the 9th of Av where they will fast and repent for the atrocities perpetrated by the Christian church against the Jews. I applaud Laura's heart in this but take exception to the attitude of the Jews revealed in the breaking Israel news article about this event. Before I proceed Please understand that I am not against the Jewish people. But, like the coming two witnesses from the houses of Judah and Israel, who together will stand against the Jewish Antichrist in the coming Great Tribulation, 
I am against this rising mystery Babylon leadership in Jerusalem that is now seeking to and will enslave and kill all who disagree with this religious beast. Like Laura, I pray for our Jewish brethren who, in the end, will die at the hands of their brothers. This article, titled, Will Christian Repentance on the Ninth of Av Help Bring Redemption? is authored by Rivka Lambert Adler. She is a supporter and possibly ringleader in Jerusalem's global conversion ring, which has the agenda of either converting people to Judaism or subjugating them under the dangerous and non-scriptural Noahide laws. In the article, she interviews the publisher of Breaking Israel News, Rabbi Tully Weiss and my friend Laura Densmore, who hosted a radio show with me, The 1260 Report. Rabbi Tully Weiss created Breaking Israel News to be an outreach vehicle to Christian Zionists. Tully is a Zionist whose grandfather, Rabbi David Stavsky, served Columbus, Ohio's flagship Orthodox synagogue, Beth Jacob Congregation. Tully's publication, Breaking Israel News, closely follows the Sanhedrin, which is pushing the reunification of the 70 nations as Noahide nations under Jerusalem's hegemony. Rivka Lambert Adler writes, Beginning last year and continuing in a dramatically expanded way this year, there is a movement in the Christian world to use Tisha B'Av, that's the ninth above, to repent for the atrocities committed against the Jewish people in the name of Christianity over the past two millennia. Understand this. This repentance prayer movement is new. It began last year at the same time as the rise of the Sanhedrin's call for global Noahidism and the Knesset voting into law the Jewish state bill. It is possible this is Yahweh's way of sending a message to the Jews to truly repent on the ninth of Av. Let me read you some of Jerusalem's Kabbad doctrines found in this article regarding the repentance prayers of Christians. But first, we must understand the ninth of Av. In the Jewish calendar, there are three fasts, all associated with the destruction of the holy temples in Jerusalem. Zechariah prophesied that these fast days would eventually become holidays for the Jewish people. In his interview, Rabbi Tully Weiss suggested that repentance on the part of the nations is a tool that will eventually transform these fast days to feast days because Christian repentance holds a key to reversing the tragic associations of Tisha B'Av and turning it from a fast day into a feast day for the Jewish people. I believe these fast days in Jewish history were all brought about by the enemies of the Jewish people in some way, shape, or form, he said. 
Tully upholds the words of another rabbi with a similar name who was quoted in another Breaking News article on November 29th 2018 when it was announced the Sanhedrin would build an altar on Temple Mount to stage a lamb sacrifice to which they called the 70 nations and asked them to swear to uphold the Noahide laws. In fact this really began Chabad's and Sanhedrin's openly global push for the Noahide laws to be implemented everywhere. In that article, Rabbi Weiss said, God's call to return his people to his land will show that the belief of some nations that Israel was in exile as a punishment was a mistaken belief. The exile was only in order for Israel to serve as an example to the nations for serving God. Were it not for the exile, Muhammad would not have known God and would have been idolatrous like his other brothers. Were the Jews not in Rome, the idolaters would have remained to this day. The Torah was translated into Greek and the nations copied the words of God because there were Jews in the Egyptian exile. This is an antithetical position to what the scripture says. Yahweh repeats himself over and over throughout the prophets that the house of Judah would suffer for its sins. Nowhere in the Tanakh does it say the Jews would be persecuted for the sins of the nations. This is a Talmudic false doctrine based on changing what Isaiah 53 says about the Messiah Yeshua. Judaism has turned this chapter regarding Yeshua as the suffering servant into a prophecy about them collectively as the suffering servant and the world's Messiah. This is why they are pushing so hard to convert believers in Yeshua to Judaism. Judaism's doctrine teaches that salvation comes through conversion to Judaism. An article published on July 25, 2019 in com says this first stage of the messianic era will not require supernatural miracles though its events will be so remarkable as to be considered miraculous. The ingathering of all Jews and their acceptance of Moshiach will require a total about face for many who presently owe little conscious allegiance to Halakha. Also at this stage the nations of the world will accept the Jewish people's dominion of the Holy Land and Moshiach as the world's leader. They will also accept the one God and observe his seven universal commandments also known as the Noahide laws as a divine spirit permeates the minds of humanity or perhaps just the persecution and death that will come to those who reject the Noahide laws will cause many to conform, eh? This Jewish doctrine comes from a teaching by Maimonides who hated Yeshua and blamed him for the Jews' dispersion. 
Maimonides claimed that it was Yeshua's imagination that caused him to believe he was the Messiah. This false doctrine allows them to deny the need for Yeshua because it says the Jews have not, are not, and will not suffer for their own sins because they have not sinned. I want to share just one scripture from the Tanakh as translated by the rabbis around 132 B.C. So there will be no way for any Jew to refute its plain meaning by saying I got it out of the King James Version. Jeremiah 3.8 And I saw that for all the sins of which she was convicted wherein the house of Israel committed adultery and I put her away and gave her gave into her hands a bill of divorcement yet faithless Judah feared not but went and herself also committed fornication that's out of the Septuagint as translated by the rabbis which finished being translated in 132 BC the ninth of Av, Tishba Av, should continue being a day when the Jews finally come to repentance for their own sins after 3,000 years instead of putting this burden on the much-hated Christians. Like these Christians, I too repented to three rabbis, as instructed by Yahweh in January 2015, for the atrocities committed by Christians against the Jews. I will tell you what happened in a few minutes. Right now, believers in Yeshua are approaching the Jews in humility but then the Jews use it against us to convert us and make us deny Yeshua it makes no sense since he is the reason our heart is toward our Jewish brethren in the first place and why we seek reconciliation with them if not for Yeshua we would not exist then who could they blame for their persecutions They were persecuted by the Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, and Romans before there ever was Christianity. Rivka Lambert Adler goes on to explain another false doctrine of Judaism that the ninth of Av was inaugurated when ten of the twelve spies Moses dispatched to research the Holy Land came back with an evil report. If this were so, Yahweh would have given the plain instruction that fasting on the ninth of Av was to be part of our twelve-tribed annual repentance in the Torah. He did not give this instruction. Instead, he punished the evil spies and the entire generation who agreed with rejecting the royal land grant. Jews must repent for their own sins they must stop changing the definition and purpose of what Christians are repenting of on the ninth of Av by twisting it into coming redemption for the Jews alone which by definition leaves out the repentant Christians who are praying for reconciliation reconciliation is a step in the redemption process 
and it includes all the tribes not just the Jews it angers me that they keep leaving us out of Yahweh's plans to make us equal with them in the kingdom which they call the world to come here is what the father has to say about the punishment to come on the house of Judah Jeremiah 21:11 and touching the house of the king of Judah say hear you the word of the Lord O house of David thus says the Lord execute judgment in the morning and deliver him that is spoiled out of the hand of the oppressor lest my fury go out like fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings behold I am against you O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain says the Lord which say who shall come down against us or who shall enter into our habitations these are similar to the words of mystery Babylon who says she is a queen and is not a widow and will not see sorrow revelation 18:7. and I've been told by Jewish people they believe no one can defeat them in war Jeremiah 21:14 says but I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings says the Lord and I will kindle a fire in the forest thereof and it shall devour all things round about it but here's what else Yahweh says to the house of Judah Jeremiah 30 verse 11 for I am with you says the Lord to save you though I make a full end of all nations where I have scattered you yet will I not make a full end of you but I will correct you in measure and will not leave you altogether unpunished Yahweh desperately wants to save the house of Judah but they won't repent so he can therefore he will allow them to cause Jerusalem to become mystery Babylon and here's the irony Yahweh has used the nations to punish Jacob you know Israel both houses however in the end he will use mystery Babylon Jerusalem to punish the nations before he destroys her please my Jewish brethren stop denying that sin reigns in Jerusalem and repent for your own sins stop laying the burden of your own sins on Christians or the nations repent before it is too late and again I am glad to see Christians seeking reconciliation the way that Yahweh said is supposed to be done what way is that by going to the one you have harmed to repent and then what did Yahweh say the person repented to should do forgive them and accept them back into the fold you remember those three rabbis I told you about earlier that I repented to one was Yehuda Glick he accepted my repentance but wanted to know why I thought I am an Ephraimite 
The second rabbi, a young one just ready to graduate from yeshiva, whose first name is Yoel, accepted my repentance unconditionally on behalf of all the rabbis, he said. The third was Rabbi Avraham Feld. He accepted my repentance, but immediately added that in order for it to be real, I must belly up to the bar, in his words, and start financially supporting Kol Hator. Not only me, but all the other people in the Hebrew Roots community worldwide, he said. Feld is a prominent member of the Jewish conversion ring and partner with Ovadia Avrahami in the organization Kol Hator, which is designed to slowly and subtly deceive believers in Yeshua to persuade them to convert to Judaism. Feld and Avrahami are friends of Rivka Lambert Adler, who is helping many deny Yeshua to convert to Judaism. At all of Rivka's events that I have attended in the past, one of them, either Feld or Avrahami, was always there to meet new possible converts to Judaism. Rivka is also a friend of and co-worker with Rabbi Tovia Singer, a famous anti-missionary whose sole purpose is to destroy Yeshua and a key member of the conversion ring. Do you now see the inner circle of the conversion ring which operates from Jerusalem? You will see a list of more of Jerusalem's leaders in a while. In the breaking news article, another rabbi, Pincus Winston, dismissed these Christians' sincere repentance. He said, when it comes to Jewish history, sometimes current events may seem like no big deal. They might be too small to notice or seemingly too insignificant to mean very much to us, so they get passed over until one day in the future we look back and realize that we had totally undervalued their importance. Anyone who knows the biblical conflict between Jacob and Esau and its significance at the end of days should at least raise an eyebrow when learning about descendants of Esau, more on that in a minute, who want to apologize to the Jewish people for thousands of years of abuse by the Christian church, the religious arm of Esau. Why and why now? It's a big risk on their part to be so bold with anti-Semitism actually on the rise. It's hard to know what it means, but it is certainly a good sign, it would seem, and refreshing in a world that continuously distorts the truth about the Jewish people, he conveyed. Where Winston is circumspect, according to what Rivka is writing here, Weiss Tully Weiss is more willing to suggest a connection between non-Jews participating in the Ninth of Av and the final redemption. Winston Pincus's downplaying of what Christians are trying to achieve angers me. How dare Winston condescend that the House of Israel's efforts to love the House of Judah are noteworthy at best. But worse, he then associates Christians with Edomites, descendants of Esau. 
another rabbi, Rabbi Ariel Cohen Aloro, also says Christianity is Esau and Christians are Edomites to the point that when I explained to him that the house of Israel got trapped in Esau's religion, he denied that we are from the house of Israel. Winston and Aloro share the same false doctrine which is dangerous for believers in Yeshua now. The Torah says Yahweh's people are to kill all the Amalekites, descendants of Esau. Amalek was Esau's grandson who would later become one progenitor of the Persians, Iran today. This doctrine could be used in the future to justify killing Christians. Now, more on the organization behind the rise of Mystery Babylon. According to this article in Canadian Jewish News, Kabad Lubavitch is mammoth and shows no signs of waning, according to the book The Secret of Kabad, Inside the World's Most Successful Jewish Movement, about a small Hasidic group hammered by the Holocaust and the harsh hand of communism in Russia that would become the largest Jewish organization in the world. Now I do not ascribe to the idea that all Jews are involved in Kabad, but I do understand that Kabad is the largest of the Orthodox sects and that it is one of the more powerful organizations behind Temple Institute, the Sanhedrin, the Rabbinate, etc and it's very powerful in the Knesset so please go read this article about the expansion of Judaism on the planet the rise of Kabod is a factor in the rise of Jerusalem's global power Kabod has 3,500 institutions staffed by more than 4,700 families of Shlukim or emissaries around the world Add the Kabad.org website and the movement reaches millions. Kabad claims that with 1,000 centers, it has the largest network of synagogues of any Jewish movement in North America. On July 3, 2019, Mint Press News published this regarding another Israeli trend, temple activism. Before I read this, you should know that I don't agree with everything that is said here. What I'm trying to show is that Kabad is not the only arm of Jerusalem's great whore. Other groups, probably all of them intertwined, are also working to achieve Jerusalem's agenda of worldwide dominance. In a troubling trend that continues to be overlooked by international media, the temple activist movement that seeks to destroy the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem and replace it with a third temple continues to advance its agenda. The movement's forward progress is largely thanks to its successful efforts in recent years to rebrand as a civil rights movement.
securing support from secular and religious Zionists alike, as well as to growing levels of support in Israel's executive and legislative branches of government. The Temple Activist Movement is now more mainstream than ever before. There is a significant degree of overlap between the dominant parties of Israeli politics today and the Temple Activist Movement, with a majority of current Israeli government ministers, including Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu himself, and a large and influential lobby of lawmakers in Israel's Knesset openly supporting the Israeli government takeover of Al-Aqsa Mosque and its destruction and replacement with a third temple. Here's a list of current Israeli government ministers who are supportive of the temple activism. Mary Regev, Minister of Culture and Sport, Rafi Peretz, Minister of Education, Bezalel Smotrich, Minister of Transportation, Uri Ariel, Minister of Agriculture and Rural Development, Gilad Erdan, Minister of Strategic Affairs, Minister of Interior Security and Minister of Information, Yisrael Katz, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Ministry of Intelligence and Atomic Energy, Yoav Gallant, Ministry of Construction, Amir Ohana, Minister of Justice, Zeev Elkin, Minister of Jerusalem, Minister of Environmental Protection, Ophir Akunis, Minister of Science, Technology and Space, Tsaki Hanagbi, Minister of Communications and Minister of Regional Communications. Those listed above account for more than half of all Israeli government ministers, 11 out of the 20, and nearly 60% of all ministerial positions, 16 out of 27, that are not currently held by Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu, who is currently serving as the Minister of Health, Defense, and Diaspora Affairs, in addition to being Prime Minister. According to the article, over half of all current Israeli government ministers are supportive of key aspects of temple activisms and are strong advocates for altering the current temple mount status quo. So sudden has been the rise of temple activism that Rabbi Chaim Richman, head of the Temple Institute's International Department, told Christian Headlines in 2017 that today there's a lobby in the Knesset. Many members of the Knesset that are constantly speaking about Jewish rights to pray on the Temple Mount. There are members of the Knesset that actually talk about rebuilding the Holy Temple. He further says, Do you realize that 20 years ago these people wouldn't have been given a moment on prime time television to say these things? they would have been laughed out. Well, here is where the overlap between Chabad and the Temple Activist Movement lies with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu has long avoided any explicit endorsements of temple activism, though his actions over his decades-long 
political career offer enough insight to conclude that he is, at the very least, supportive of the movement and some of its objectives. Netanyahu has publicly maintained that his government seeks to maintain the current status quo on the Temple Mount, likely to avoid stoking unrest and protests. Yet, such claims are at odds with the fact that a majority of his ministers have publicly stated that they wish to wrest control of the holy site from its current custodians. Furthermore, Netanyahu himself in 2017 told the Knesset the following, To you, the members of the Knesset, the citizens of Israel, and to the entire world, I want to make it clear, the Temple Mount and the Western Wall will stay under Israeli sovereignty forever. Though Netanyahu has been relatively mum on the subject of the Third Temple specifically, his practice of remaining silent after prominent members of his government and political party promote temple activism has not escaped the notice of Israeli media, which has repeatedly pointed out that the claims of government officials close to Netanyahu qualify as incitement under Israeli law, a punishable offense. Such silence has been taken by some Netanyahu critics as tacit support for temple activists, as has Netanyahu's recent appearances at events where Al-Aqsa and the Dome of the Rock have been edited out of the Jerusalem skyline, despite the compound's iconic status. A key financier of Netanyahu, U.S. casino magnate Sheldon Adelson, also appears to be supportive of temple activism. Israel Hayom, the Israeli newspaper that Adelson funds, has published numerous articles supportive of temple activism, including front-page stories that call for the destruction of Al-Aqsa Mosque. Furthermore, Adelson has grown increasingly close to Israeli politician Naftali Bennett, who has increasingly pushed for increased Israeli control over the Temple Mount in recent years. Adelson even allegedly favored Bennett over Netanyahu for the position of Prime Minister at one point. Bennett who until recently was education minister, spent his tenure at that ministry inserting temple activist educational material into mandatory school curriculums, some of which were developed by the Temple Institute as part of a contract with the Bennett-led education ministry. In addition, Bennett, after failing to secure enough seats in Israel's elections this past April, is mulling joining forces with Moshe Feiglin, one of the most pro-Third Temple Israeli politicians of all.
beyond his close association with donors and politicians who support temple activism, Netanyahu's relationship with prominent religious leaders have led to speculation that he supports the construction of a third temple on the Temple Mount, especially his relationship with Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, the Kabad Messiah, that Rabbi Atzbon prayed in the name of over the U.S. House of Representatives that I shared earlier in this broadcast when he prayed last week. Given that Schneerson heavily promoted the construction of a third temple during his lifetime and frequently received third temple models from devotees as offerings and gifts, this exchange has contributed to speculation that Netanyahu supports the same vein of religious messianism and vision propounded by temple activists. Mint Press News describes temple activism as a rising theocracy. In fact, that word appears in the article. What they're calling rising theocracy, Yahweh calls Mystery Babylon. Here's more from the article. Famous Jewish philosopher Shabtai Ben-Dov, who lived from 1924 to 1978 and who has many followers, believed that the Third Temple and Jewish Messiah could only be achieved through violence and blood-soaked conquest. And he was one of the guiding lights of a group known as the Jewish Underground Bendov is an obscure figure to most Israelis, but his impact on Jewish messianic groups in Israel was profound. He was an enthusiastic member of Lehi, or as noted above, the Stern Gang, a Zionist paramilitary group known for its use of terrorism as well as its role in committing several civilian massacres, the assassination of UN and British officials, its attempts to formally ally with the Nazis and desire to create a Jewish state in Palestine based on nationalist and totalitarian principles. Bendov, who became increasingly more religious following the founding of the State of Israel and the dissolution of Lehi, turned to writing and argued that Lehi's totalitarian vision for the State of Israel should be realized through the establishment of a theocracy led by a king and the Sanhedrin, a council that served as the main political, judicious, and religious force for Jews during the Roman period and was guided by the values of conquest and holy war. He was guided by the values of conquest and holy war. Do you not think that that is also going to guide Mystery Babylon? More and more... I am beginning to believe there will be a temple built by the Jews on Temple Mount, but I do not believe it will be Ezekiel's third temple. It will be some combination of Freemasonry and Solomonic mixture, which 
certainly will be divided in the predicted earthquakes Israel will suffer according to Revelation 11:13. One reason I don't believe their temple will be Yahweh's temple even though they will say it was built for God comes from Revelation's description of Yahweh's heavenly temple. Revelation 11:19 Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple there were flashes of lightning rumblings peals of thunder an earthquake and heavy hail there is no mention of Yahweh's temple on earth through the whole book of Revelation only his heavenly temple which will be opened to show the ark of the covenant within revelation 11:13 says and at that hour there was a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell 7000 people were killed in the earthquake and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the god of heaven Revelation 16 reveals details of an earthquake that begins from Yahweh's heavenly temple that destroys the Jerusalem temple, the temple of mystery Babylon. Revelation 16 verses 17 to 19. The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, It is done. And there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a great earthquake such as there had never been since man was on the earth. So great was that earthquake. The great city was split into three parts, and the nations, rather the cities of the nations fell. And God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath. Well, after this, there won't be a mosque, a dome, a Jewish or any other edifice left. It will have been destroyed so Yeshua Messiah can build his temple, which will be patterned after the heavenly temple I started this broadcast with discussion about a particular prayer that was prayed in the name of Kabod's Jewish Messiah I will wrap it up with the Lord's prayer our father who is in heaven holy is your name our father this is a corporate prayer for all believers in the house of Judah and the house of Israel the twelve tribes it acknowledges that our father rules over the earth from his heavenly temple his name is set apart sanctified by his own nature and his name literally is his authority so when we say our father who is in heaven holy is your name we are calling on Yahweh in his temple in heaven may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven 
Now this is the part I want to focus on. The part that all believers in Yeshua, whether they call him Yeshua or Jesus, should pray, especially now. The book of Revelation is all about how his rulership will return to the earth. There are some who call themselves by his name, who don't use his name, but call him Hashem, which he never told them to do. They claim Yahweh has association with their agenda because they use a name that does not apply to him and they teach that this is how the rabbis decree and God obeys. Yeshua's prayer for us is opposite of what Jerusalem is doing now. They are establishing their own kingdom on earth. But Yeshua told us to pray for Yahweh's, our Father's kingdom, and His will to be established on earth. I guarantee it will be. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, We pray for the corporate bread, the national bread, the bread of life, both physical and spiritual, all provided by Yeshua. And we add a request for forgiveness of our own debts because we forgive others. So what is the meaning of these debts? The word literally, ophilema, means a debt it it, is not associated with sins some versions say forgive our sins that is not the word there the word is debt and then there's the word debtors so something we owe and something that is owed to us Yeshua took every opportunity to point the Jews back to their sins that they now denied having done every time he talked about the need to forgive people seven times seven seventy times seven and here in the Lord's Prayer he was always pointing the Jews to repent of their sins which to this day they refuse to do the seven times seven or the seventy times seven was not about any set number of times to forgive someone It was an idiomatic reminder to the Jews about the Shemitah years they never performed. When they let their Hebrew servants go free one year, then turned around and brought them back into servitude the next year after the Shemitah year was over, according to Jeremiah 34. The 70 times 7 reminder was a Uh, reminder that they had never observed a jubilee cycle seven times seven plus one you know the shemitahs followed by the jubilee even after having been captured in Babylon for this very reason let's go to Jeremiah and to the book of second chronicles to see this Jeremiah 25 
10. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And it shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, says the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans, and will make it perpetual desolations. Yahweh did this too, according to Second Chronicles 36.21, where it says, To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill threescore and ten years. That's seventy years. What are those Sabbaths? The Shemitahs and the Jubilees. The house of Judah went into captivity in Babylon to be punished for not keeping the complete Shemitah and Jubilee cycles. Yeshua told the disciples to pray for forgiveness of debts. And when he did that, he was referring to the debts associated with the Shemitah and Jubilee years, which the Jews still were not keeping and still have not done so to this day until recently when they declared Shemitah and Jubilee years, but only for themselves. And now, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word for temptation there is pirasmos. It means a putting to proof. Yahweh tested his people in the wilderness, but I believe here it means that we are to ask the Father not to make us have to go through Jerusalem's proving mill to see if we are guilty of believing in Yeshua as the disciples went through and as we will go through under Jerusalem mystery Babylon the word for evil in this passage is poneros it means something that is hurtful that which is harmful because of viciousness and malice on the part of the wicked in Jerusalem of Yeshua's day and Jerusalem as mystery Babylon in the end of days. He's asking us to pray for deliverance from them. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jerusalem will claim sovereignty over all the earth but the kingdom does not belong to Jerusalem. Jerusalem belongs to the kingdom. It belongs to Yahweh. And knowing this should hearten us and help us to go through what is coming and what believers in Yeshua are already beginning to suffer because of her. His is the power and the glory forever. It is never ours. Amen. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.